This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. I want to begin by admitting that I was more than a little intimidated when I learned that my contribution to this project would be Canto 28 of the Paradiso. It's a part of the poem I've always struggled with. Although the ninth sphere, called the primum mobile or first moved, is the apex of Dante's journey through heaven, a place from which he can see God himself, a place that literally drives the movement of creation. This canto mostly lacks the dramatic tension that drives the rest of the commedia. Instead, it offers two complex visual allegories, the nine spheres of Dante's heaven and the nine rings of the angelic hierarchy, then collapses them into a single visual for Dante and the reader to unravel. It's a complicated and contemplative canto, without the excitement and drama of earlier celebrity interactions in hell and heaven. Yet despite my early trepidation, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to spend time thinking critically about Canto 28. In these complex times, I'm grateful for this text reminder that God's truth abides even and perhaps especially when that truth is beyond our comprehension. In order to understand the modern resonance of Canto 28, we should first look back to Canto 27, which features two striking condemnations of human societies. The canto begins with St. Peter denouncing the corruption of his successors in the church leadership. Although Peter's criticisms specifically mention events and actors contemporaneous to Dante, his condemnation might equally apply to the 21st century. Quote, Never did we intend for Christendom to be divided, some to take their stand on this side or on that of our successors, From here, we see down there in all your fields rapacious wolves who dress in shepherd's clothes. O power of God, why do you still hold back? Following this denunciation of human failure to live up to God's will, Canto 27 ends with Beatrice observing sadly that with no one on earth to lead us, quote, the human family goes astray, end quote. It's an uncomfortable moment, one that cannot be fully corrected by Beatrice's assurance that Christ, the, quote, long-awaited storm, will eventually come to earth to, quote, set it sailing a straight course again. Indeed, the abruptness of this ending forces readers to sit with the reality of an imperfect world and our collective inability to do anything but wait for the return of Christ's peace on earth. For our narrator, looking down onto earth from his space in the heavens, humanity's failures are distinctly visible. As a reader in 2021, this description of human problems hits a little bit too close for comfort. As in Dante's time, the modern Christian church faces deep internal divisions, and globally it's easy to feel as if the human ship has indeed gone astray. As an anodyne to this deeply uncomfortable image, Canto 28 of the Paradiso offers a vision of divinity in its purest form. As the narrator describes, quote, I saw a point that radiated light so piercing that the eyes its brightness strikes are forced to shut from such intensity. That star, which seems the smallest seen from here, if set beside that point, like star by star appearing in the heavens, 
would seem a moon, end quote. These lines introduce one of the canto's central paradoxes, the image of God as an infinitesimal yet infinitely bright point of light. This allegorical image emphasizes both the impossibility of pinning down God, that is, placing him in a box and framing him in human terms, and his undeniable presence in our lives. Our narrator has traveled through eight spheres of heaven with Beatrice as his guide, and yet despite this divine insight, he cannot identify where exactly God is. Nevertheless, he cannot deny God's blinding light and the power of God to dominate his experience. In these unprecedented times, I find a great deal of comfort in this image. God's ways are not our ways. Like Dante's narrator, we cannot articulate his precise dimensions in the material earth, but equally we cannot deny his blinding presence. God's existence in our lives is often difficult to comprehend, but these lines remind us of the brilliance of his eternal presence. From this point, Dante's description of God's material presence in Canto 28 only becomes more complex. The narrator describes a series of nine rings of angels in order seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, angels, and archangels, spinning around a brilliant point of light. Quote, and each of them revolved more slowly, according as it was in number farther from the central one whose radiance was the clearest of them all, for circling nearest the pure spark of being, I think it shares the fullest in its truth, end quote. The narrator is confused because this image, nine spinning rings of angels whose speed is inversely proportional to their proximity to God, conflicts with his immediate experience of the spheres of heaven, which, following the Ptolemaic model, increase in size as they grow nearer to God. On top of this, the ninth sphere, where Canto 28 takes place, is simultaneously the largest of the spheres of heaven and the location of this infinitesimal point of light from which the nine rings of angels find their motion. Beatrice's explanation is deceptively simple. I'm going to quote at length here because it's an important image. Quote, The course of the material spheres is wide or narrow, in accord with the more or less of virtue that infuses each throughout. Therefore, this sphere, the ninth, which sweeps all of the world along with it, must correspond to this, the inner ring, that loves and knows the most. And so, if you will take your measurements not by circumference, but by power inherent in these beings that look like rings— you will observe a marvelous congruence of greater power to more, lesser to small, in every heaven with its intelligence, end quote. In the first two stanzas, Beatrice affirms the narrator's experience of the material heavens. The spheres of heaven increase in size according to their relative virtue, as he has just seen, so that the ninth sphere is slightly larger and holier than the eighth, the eighth is slightly larger and holier than the seventh, and so on. Beatrice then explains that because the ninth sphere encompasses all of the other spheres, including earth, its holiness ultimately corresponds with the inner, most powerful ring of angels, who are closest to God despite that ring's small size. 
Again, this is a really complex image, but rather than try to untangle it, I'm going to encourage us to sit with the narrator in his confusion. There's something beautiful in acknowledging once again that God's ways are beyond comprehension, especially in these times. Indeed, the canto ends with a beautiful reminder that it's actually okay not to fully understand the universe. Beatrice explains that the 6th century Pope Gregory dedicated his life to articulating an apparently incorrect hierarchy of angels. Quote, but when he died to waken in this heaven, he saw the truth and laughed at his mistake. End quote. These lines encourage us to find joy in the uncertainty. Rather than struggle to articulate the intricacies of God's presence in the material world, Canto 28 urges us to look forward joyfully to the moment when God's truth is revealed in the world to come. For more on Dante's vision of God's truth, we'll look to Canto 29. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Tory Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.